welcome back to part two of the At The Flicks review show. Greetings and salutations, I'm Jeff. Hi, I'm Graham. Hi, my name is Neil. I'm Phil, and when not on At The Flicks, you can find out more about my film tastes via my blog page on philtherbearblog at wordpress.com. Hi, I'm Darren, and other than at the flicks, you can follow me on Twitter at Dazzert Loves Movie, and you can read my blogs at halfguarded.com. Hi, I'm Declan, the presenter of the podcast Carry On Streaming, which the At The Flicks team kindly asked me to do. Thanks, guys, and now back to Neil to introduce the next film. Let's link almost seamlessly to our next movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm going to tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died, but then she came back. Came back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. The last Guardians film from writer-director James Gunn, the man behind all three films. He now gets promoted and joins DC. It's also, so we've been told, the last outing for this particular Guardians crew. During an attack on the Guardians' base of nowhere, Rocket, voiced by Bradley Cooper, is very badly injured. To save his life, the Guardians have to travel to Orgocorp, where Rocket was essentially created. However, Rocket's creator, the High Evolutionary, played by Chukwudi Iwuji, wants Rocket for further experimentation and revenge. The team find out that the High Evolutionary will go to extreme lengths to get his prize, putting everyone's life in danger. Graham, how does this third instalment measure up to the two previous outings? Measure up, right? Okay, I'd say Guardians Three barely comes up to Guardians One's ankle, and maybe mid calf or Guardians Two. I f- I really feel like Guardians One should have been a standalone film, one and done. Uh, I mean, I like the first two films, but this one was not necessary. I'm really getting franchise fatigue, uh, with especially with this, and thank God it's over now. So. I thought Guardians Volume 3 was a hugely disappointing film. Um, The jokes don't work, the character development is poor, and the rocket plot is pointless. Um, The film starts off strong with some very funny moments and some great action sequences. However, as the film progresses, the jokes start to fall flat and the character development becomes stagnant. The rocket plot is particularly egregious as it's both pointless and emotionally manipulative. Um, The film's biggest problem is that it doesn't know what it wants to be. Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Is it an action film? It tries to be all three, but it doesn't do any of them particularly well. Uh, Yeah. Grief. Bloody hell. Can I leap to its defence at this point, which is unusual for me in a Marvel film? So, Darren, I hope you're sitting down. But there's a, there's a fight sequence in this with Chris Pratt and Groot where they're 
battling around in this room. And I thought that was a real action highlight. Yeah, but it's very spotty. It's very spotty. Very spotty, isn't it? I mean, there are moments in it which are quite good, but overall, I just found, you know, it really was flat. I, I just thought it was very disappointing. It's a shame because the first two films were uh, in the franchise, well, the first one was extremely good. The second one was okay. But I think, um, I hope that James Gunn can return to form with his next project. I know that's for DC, but I think his, this was his last film for Disney and he was pushing it to get it finished so that he could become the big kahuna at DC. Yeah, I mean, he can do so much better than this. I mean, I loved Peacekeeper, the TV show, uh, but this was a really poor effort. I did not enjoy <laughs> this. I was with Jeff at the time, which is always a bit of a downer when you go to the cinema. Was it because he was huffing and sighing all the way through it? <laughs> I, th- I think so. Is, is anybody going to rush to defend this film? Or you all? I, I will. It. I, I will. Definitely. Yeah. Sad, Who's going to go first? Me or Phil? Yeah, you go first. Dad. You go first. I, 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 I want to ask you a question, Graham. Did you go into this film with high expectations? Yeah, I did. No, you went in with me. <laughs> okay. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I went into this film, I went into this film oh, with right. very low expectations because I didn't like the second film. I love the first film and I sort of agreed with you after the yeah. second film that they should have just left it at one. And so I went into it thinking, okay, I'm seeing this probably because it's the last one. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have bothered. If, they'd, if I'd known there was going to be more, I probably wouldn't have invested it. Uh, so, that's a good point, yeah. So I knew it was going to be the last one. So I went in thinking, okay, he's going to finish it off. Like you, I was really, uh, really enjoyed Peacekeeper. So, uh, and I like what James Gunn did to these characters that we mm. talked about Fast and Furious changing, evolving from the, the car film, f- films into like a comedy. I think Marvel had reached its limit in the sort of serious superhero you know complex thing you know i've got issues and egos and all that stuff i thought it had sort of reached its end uh, and they've tried to continue marvel and and it's most things have failed since um i think james gunn has taken a different approach he took a different approach with the first movie he just said i'm gonna be a bit more Mm. radical and a bit more different and you know kill people off and all that stuff and i think this third film i went in with very low expectations and actually thoroughly enjoyed every second of it i thought I disagree with pretty much everything you wrote, Graham. Sorry, but I thought the the villain was fantastic. I thought the plot was brilliant. I thought the way they used Rocket and his sort of story, and they 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 got me in emotionally. I was <laughs> crying. Grief. I was cheering. I was doing everything. So I I was won over. I was everything you said you weren't. I was completely won over by it. Um, I as always, the music soundtrack was phenomenal. Is it always in a, uh, in a yeah, you always expect that great. in a Guardians yeah. film? And it was, even though uh, for Phil's joy, he put a Radiohead song in at the start um <laughs> even though i still thought it was amazing um i i liked the fact that it was a it was a well-rounded end to a trilogy i thought it didn't yeah it left to introduce some new characters but it left it it, it ended it. It, it you know and it gave each of the characters something that they were going on to do something different and a reason why they were doing that so it built up mm. throughout the story it built up to these reasons and they all made sense. So they made sense when one of them was saying, oh, I'm going off to do that. And it made sense when mm. one said, I'm going to look after the kids or whatever. And it, I thought it all tied up. And I thoroughly loved this film. And I thought Adam Warlock's character was interesting as well. Yeah. I thought he was underused, but maybe maybe they, Marvel have got other ideas with him. But um, I really enjoyed this. And I laughed out loud. I was entertained all the way through of it. And I'm depending what happens to the rest of this review show, it's still at the moment 
in my number one position, depending wow. on what the rest of you guys say. I really did enjoy this film. That's my defence. Bloody hell. Yeah, I mean, I, so I, in a rare scenario, agree, agree with Deccan that I disagreed with everything you said, Graham. Um, the one God. thing I will say, though, actually, which is interesting, is I, so I saw this twice. So I, I love... So I love the Guardians film. I I think that Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, is possibly the best MCU film. It's sort of in a fight with Infinity what? War and um, uh, Winter Soldier for me. So I I think Guardians of the Galaxy, Infinity War, and Winter Soldier are like the three best kind of MCU films. I I love it, and I thought the second one was much better than everyone else thinks. I thought it was still really good. I went into this the first time I watched it, I watched it open day. I came out and I was kind of mixed. I was like, I had a lot of thoughts and there were things I liked and the things I didn't like. And I think I went back a few days later, maybe a week later, and I watched it again with you know those sort of ideas and things in my head about what I did or didn't like. And I loved it. And everything clicked into place for me. I thought it was really good. I thought the humour was really funny. Uh, the 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 um the music choices were great. Yes, Radiohead played at the front. That was brilliant. They should do that. That was in my review. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. I think Bradley Cooper's voice work is fantastic. I thought Nebula has stealthily become one of the best characters in the MCU. I thought she was brilliant in it, and and probably almost the main character behind uh, Rocket. And yeah, I just I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good trilogy closer and I, I just generally like guns films and I really hope that Superman Reborn or whatever it ends up being called is as interesting as his other films have been. Something Phil said there, uh, which I thought was a really good thing over the three films. I mainly with Graham on what he said on this film, you, know, you won't be surprised, but Nebula's journey over the three films mm. from villain to almost anti-hero mm. I think is is really good, and it's yeah, it's very almost subtly done the way it's been played out. Yeah, and and the other storyline, which I thought was when I watched it the first time, I was a bit n- not sure, and when I watched it the second time, I kind of feel like I understood what they were doing. Was um, Star Lord and Gamora's uh, relationship, and it's very much, it's kind of like a a, a weird sort of spin on love lost you know because he's pining for her while she's kind of moved on already obviously because she's not the same person that he's pining for which is why there's a, it's a weird spin on it but i thought it was a really well kind of a well-conceived look at you know, you know the breakup of a relationship and actually he's got these other people around him who are actually providing what he needs, and he's not quite looking at that because he's still thinking about the past. You're not going to say that they're family. Mm. <laughs> yeah, break Take out it. some coronas. Yeah. Although in his case, it's a Zoom. Darren, you've been strangely quiet, and you usually come in defending these Marvel films. Where are you on this? Well, I'm just being polite and letting other people talk. Um, <laughs> I personally loved this movie. <laughs> and the, the thing I loved about it is, I think even a, a Mark. Even a Marvel diehard like me will have to admit that they've not been hitting with the films uh, recently. I'm still entertained by them, but they've been missing something. This, to me, had that. It had that sort of... Those themes are 
you know, those weighty themes about having respect and caring for people and changing, you know. So Nebula has basically gone from this assassin in the first film to someone who's become like a mother figure to, to young children. Um Rocket was somebody who was basically a really selfish mercenary just after money. And in this film, you got through his sort of experience remembering what where he came from. While everybody was basically concerned with um, rescuing all the, uh, all the human, humanoid type characters, he was there making sure the animals were rescued, even though that they weren't as intelligent, they didn't got through the intelligence that he had. But these were still lives that were really important. We even have the scene where you know the big monster that we saw at the um, in the second film that was basically just there as a big scary monster to be killed. We we learned to respect these because in this one we learned that they're actually quite peaceful creatures, and we sort of even in this one we learned that they sort of had a right to exist as well. It was it was just a real for me. It was a really positive mo- movie about sort of having respect and about how you know things having a right to to live and stuff and and i i just thought it was excellent but i was amazed by how dark it was i mean the and i, and I actually know some people who are, who are animal lovers who are really offended by the uh, by rocket's origin with the sort of the thought it was exploitative of um, animal um, exploitation i kind of i disagreed i actually thought it was sort of highlighting animal exploitation and the sort of, you know, you know, to me, that was sort of like a critique of, of that. Um, did, did you think, though, Darren, that it's sort of Dr Moreau in space? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that is, in, in the comics, that is what the, the high evolutionary is. You know, that is his character that down to a tree. In the, um, in, in the comics, he actually has his own line where he's basically trying to, perf- he's constantly tinkering with, with uh, Vase's DNA. He's trying to... Okay you know create the the perfect you know race and, and that's what his character pretty much is but yeah i, I thought it was it was it was a splendid film, a really good uh send-off i i have to admit i went into this expecting that we were going to get some sort of blake seven type massacre with uh, quite a few of the characters dying and it was it's actually it's testament to how i feel about the characters and the fact that i was really glad that that didn't happen because I don't think I would have been taking it. There's a bit in it where Drax gets shot, and I actually my heart skipped because I thought, "Oh God, is this where we lose Drax?" And and it was basically it, it, you got the impression that you know they could be killing these characters off because it's the last time we'll see them. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this film. I, I you know I was I think it's a a great way to to uh, to, to end the the Guardians trilogy. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I thought you're right. I think I think it was life affirming. I thought it was very life affirming, as you said, Darren. I thought it was a it was a positive film when there's a lot of negativity in the world at the moment. And I also thought that you said about the one action scene when the when the um, Groot and uh, Star Lord Star Lord were, were, yeah. were, were rotating round. But what about that scene when they're going down the corridor? Yeah, and they're all the whole group of them. I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. Where they're they're all going down the corridor and they're all having their own separate scenes, their own separate bits, but they're helping each other at the same time. And it, it was sort of, it was action, but it was also family as well. And uh, yeah, it, it, I just thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. I, I just want to say one last thing as well. We we, we talk about the, the family that is always supposed to be coming on in the Fast and Furious film. To me, this is a real family. Because in this one, they don't just banter with each other. They get mad with each other. They yell at each other. They fall out and stuff. 
they have rivalries. But the fact is, they still really, really care about each other when push comes to shove. And I think that, to me, this is this is the true okay. no, family movie. Yeah, I, I said that. But the, I think the last sign of my review is something like, watch it with somebody that you love, because it is no, exactly that. No, went with Jeff. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Unlucky. Someone had to draw the, oh, the short straw. Uh, what about you, Neil? Did you see it? Yes, I did. I, it, I agree with the, with the three of you who enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. There were bits where I was rolling my eyes, I'm afraid. And, and like Graham, I find Drax's inability to, to understand metaphors. God, how many times are we going to see that? Um, and yeah, there were there were bits and pieces that went right. It, it, it is, as Graham said, a thin story. It stops every now and then to tie up a loose end because it's the final one, and, and some extra backstory. The film went on forever, um, but the kinetic fight scenes, the the characters appearing in the middle of the screen to say their witty one-liner and then moving on in the middle of the fight and everything. I thought um, Adam Warlock, the Will Poulter, was absolutely brilliant. I thought he was hilarious. Really? I think uh, so underused. The way he was playing. Oh, yes, yes, probably underused. No, I think you're right there, Graham. Um, but I, I, and I could definitely have more of that, that sort of really, really yes. dumb superhero. Really was very funny. I'd love to see more of him, and hopefully we will in the future. Um, yeah, I'm sure some of these characters will pop up in future Marvel films. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's it's sad that it's going to be the only only three. But I, I thought it was better than the second one. And and it is, as a whole, it is an enjoyable experience. It is that he does make good Guardians of the Galaxy films. And uh, James, let's be fair. Where they leave it, that's a cast for a TV series. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah, back to you, Graham, to finish off. Well, yeah, okay. Everybody hates me, and I'm no, wrong, I don't, so I'm no, just going to go. And I don't hate you, Graham. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. See, I did go to the film with somebody who loves me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, it just didn't work for me, and and this is why I enjoy this, going to the cinema so much because you know I get, I I didn't think it was great. You guys all loved it, you know, and I think it's just great that you're all wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, being positive, it's not the worst superhero movie we've seen. For the oh, time. you are Oof. kidding! Jim. Fast X. Yeah, yes, a good one, good one. Yeah. So, what do you think, listeners? Are Marvel underperforming these days, or do they still deliver? Please drop us a line. Blockbusters. We have a review of the swimmers coming soon. Before that, we're going to carry on with blockbusters and the fans can cheer as we stay with superheroes for spider-man across the spider-verse my name is miles morales i'm brooklyn's one and only spider-man and things are going great miles want to get out of here oh when so wait a minute there's an elite crew with all the best spider people in it who's the new guy this is unbelievable What's a guy got to do to join this spider team? You can never be part of this. You can't stop me now! You can't run forever, kid! I can't lose one more friend. Miguel, this isn't what we talked about! You knew? I had no idea what you're doing! Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. 
The first of two sequels to the critical and financially successful animated feature Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The second is due to be released next March, writer's strike permitting. Sixteen months on from the events of the first film, and all the various spider characters are now back in their own universes. However, the multiverse cracks caused by the Alchemax Collider continue to cause problems. Gwen Stacy, voiced by Hayley Steinfeld, for example, has an Italian Renaissance version of the Vulture invade her universe, while Miles Morales, voiced by Shamik Moore, has the spot to squeeze. I can't believe I just read that. The spot, however, proves to be a more powerful villain than people first realise, with his ability to jump universes, thanks again to the Collider. As the problems grow, Gwen and Miles team up once more to try and stop him fracturing all the multiverses. Phil, you're a huge fan of the Into movie. How does Across compare with the first instalment? So, all the way back in 2018, I gave Into the Spider-Verse my film of the year top spot. And that was no mean feat. I had a quick look through. And uh, that year, we had A Quiet Place, A Star Is Born, Mission Impossible Fallout and Avengers Infinity War. So labelling you know, Into the Spider-Verse as the best one of the year, I think really shows how much I enjoyed it. And I think we talked about Across the Spider-Verse. I do keep, I, keep, I mix up the which word I've got to say. I, I talked about Across the Spider-Verse in our most anticipated films at the beginning of the year as well. It, it had an awful lot to live up to for me. And to my amazement, as far as I'm concerned, they appear to not only have lived up to the original, but surpassed it. So Across the Spider-Verse is spectacular and amazing in equal measure. Yes, they are Spider-Man puns there. Spectacular and amazing. Well done, me. <laughs> it's, it's, brimming, it's brimming with imagination, unlike me. Uh, <laughs> it's filled with wonderful set pieces. It's got fully realised characters. The voice cast is perfect. It goes darker as all middle films and trilogies need to do. And if 2024's Beyond the Spider-Verse hits the, the landing and measures up to these two films, we should all be talking about one of the best trilogies <laughs> of all time, let alone in the bracket of animation or superhero movies. Right, Jeff, you're not allowed to talk till I've finished. <laughs> I didn't say a word. So the only disappointing thing for me is, by all accounts... Yeah, we talked about the writer's strike earlier. Um, there's been a few comments by people involved in the making of this film. It seems like it's very unlikely that this, the trilogy closer will come out next year based on you know, whether or not, you know, how far into it they are. But I, I, fingers crossed, they can make a film that matches these two. So I was going to talk about a few sort of, sort of different bits that I loved. So the artwork and the animation in the original was groundbreaking. And across the Spider-Verse just goes bigger and better. So each universe that we go into features different styles, colours and tones. And I found the most striking to be Gwen's universe. It has watercolours and those watercolours sort of change colour and wash out as the characters and the scenes change. Whilst different characters also feature striking changes. So we've got Hobie, uh, the Spider-Man from the UK, who appears to like just be like a cutout character from his comic book pages. We've got we've got the vulture that we we talked about at the top there, so lifted from a Leonardo da Vinci style drawing, which was just beautiful. 
every frame has just style invention all over it. And there are moments that I would really be happy if I had a framed piece of some of the scenes, I would happily have that on my wall. The bit where Miles and Gwen are sitting upside down on a building looking out at the New York skyline, I just thought was wonderful. Uh, and yeah, if anyone wants to somehow get me a, a signed cell or something like that, I will put it on my wall. I loved it. I think it looks beautiful. On that note, I, th- I absolutely agree with you. I think this is one of the most beautiful films and I think it, it has gone up a level from the first one. Um, I don't think, I can't imagine even Jeff can put down the beauty of this film and the and the, the way they did the different universes. I mean, he might slag off a lot of other things, but I can't imagine for a second he can possibly... <laughs> Say anything detrimental about the quality of the Hang on a minute, then, Deck. Like, that's a challenge. How long have you known him, Deck? Come on. You can't possibly, you can't possibly have anything negative. In that that Miles universe, right? For a moment, I thought. I, I must. I should have watched this in 3D. The glasses will appear at the moment because everything looked like it was double focused, and it was doing my head in to start. Off. Particularly the first film, uh, the second film. I got used to it a bit. I like the Renaissance thing, but oh, the the no, I, it gave me a headache, mate. <laughs> oh no! I mean, you're right. Gwen's universe was the was the best one, and I just thought. It's the one thing I can't criticize is, is as you say, you could take you could pause almost any frame on this film and it would be. I think, yeah, I think they got it absolutely right for a sequel. They they improved on the first one, I think, animation wise, fantastic. So, the uh, this this sec- next bit I'm going to talk about, Jeff's probably going to burn me on this one. So, I felt that the inventiveness and the originality on show was second to none. So. We've all watched a lot of superhero movies recently which have touched on the multiverse, but I don't think it's been ever been done better anywhere else than here. Uh, the alternative universes and characters are so interesting. I would actually love to spend an entire film with some of them, but the filmmakers are clever enough to give us just the right dose of them and move on. So it's exciting and new and we get like a, a feel for it, but then we keep moving and we, we still come back to our main focus of our main characters. But what I liked about it is, you know, good characters can be bad and vice versa in those infinite universes that they touch upon. There are lots of references. If you're a fan of the Spider-Man films and, and comics, you'll spot references to the other films, the various comics. Plus, I loved, absolutely loved the storytelling mechanism that they've continued from the first film where each spider tells their story in voiceover where they will declare that they are the one and only Spider-Man uh, and they then continue on and tell their story. And they do that with every new spider pretty much. And I love it. I think it's just so fun and inventive that they you know, have these fully realized characters that you know, have their own trials and tribulations and, and issues in their own worlds. Should I pause, Jeff? No, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was all right. I mean, I, I think no. I think I, I, I think my problem with it was I come to this late, so I already I saw Spider Man No Way Home first, but that had its multiverse, and I really enjoyed that. Thought that was tremendous. So coming to this after that, it just seems I, I've seen all this before, and I into the Spider Verse. I thought was pretty good i quite enjoyed it but this was just over long and boring and dull and 
only the Gwen Stacy bit kept me going. The first 20 minutes, I thought, was I thought I'm in for a real treat. And then it just bored the ass off me. And it's so long. I mean, it's the longest animation film ever made. Did you know that? Hmm. Good. Hmm. No, I didn't. I was too busy okay. enjoying myself. <laughs> do you not think so, they over? Do you not think they overdid the multiverses a bit? Yes. That when it was no, all those sorry. ridiculous. When they were running through that thing, and there was they just oh everything, and it was like, come on, you're now. Yeah, so I, and I know so some I, of them were nods to comics. I know some of them were like little Easter egg to other comics and things, and and are pleasing the the real Spider Man nerds. But you're thinking for everyday people, I don't need this many Spider Man. I don't need to see all these different variations. I just thought it was overload. Okay, so I I have about. 200 spider-man comics in the <laughs> room so i will admit that maybe i'm not i'm Impartial. not the, the most um yeah can, can i just biased, comment yeah. on that then phil you got 200 spider-man comics in a room and yet all the dvds the precious stuff is in the attic <laughs> I can't put my comics up in the attic. The changes in temperature would destroy them. Uh, nerd alert. Nerd alert. Um, so, <laughs> so I was going to say that I felt like the inventiveness yes. extended to the end credits. So usually you get like the middle end credits thing, you know, and they, they discarded that. They didn't do that here. And I felt that the end credits here were like a James Bond-esque credit sequence. So you know that like the James Bond scene you get so you, yeah. in James Bond film, you get like the opening kind of gambit, and then you get like the scene with the music playing, and you normally have some Salvador Dali sort of weird kind of like esoteric animation whilst the song plays and all the names. That's what I thought the end credits card was here. And you even get Miles Morales will return title card. So I just thought that whole end bit was like a Bond sort of homage. I really like that. Uh, and I, you know, I'm glad that we didn't get that sting for the the you know, the upcoming closing trilogy. I just liked that they just again wanted to show off some really cool animation. Uh, the last thing. I want to bore you silly about how amazing it was on is the voice cast, which I think is absolutely perfect. So I thought that was true of the first film and, and you've obviously got continuation of characters there. So Shamik Moore and Halle Steinfeld, we mentioned the opening drum sequence with Gwen was fantastic. And those two are just brilliant as the leads, but there's so many new additions here that I just thought were brilliant. So Oscar Isaac as Hobie, UK Spider-Man, amazing, uh, really, really good. Jason Schwartzman, who is the spot, uh, and also in my other favourite film of the year so far, which we haven't talked about. Maybe we can do that next time. And, and then we've got uh, Karen Sony, I think I'm saying that right, who is the Indian Spider-Man um, who and that entire sequence, especially his and I'm the one and only Spider-Man sequence, I loved that. I thought that was just so fantastic. That whole world, the the visual brilliance of the world that he was in, I loved that. And then, oh, so Oscar Isaac wasn't Hobie Brown, actually. I've said that wrong. Um, it was Daniel Kalua who is Hobie Brown. Uh, so he's Spider-Punk. Uh, it's him. So Daniel Kaluuya is, is Hobie Brown. He delivers every line with absolute verve, steals every scene he's in. I loved his sort of like 
cut out like he just walked out of his comic book and kind of just popped along. The the whole thing, they give the characters time to breathe. We get to see their lives. It, it feels organic. Apparently it's too long for Jeff. <laughs> the fact that we've got these characters sort of you know, living, breathing and sort of facing their own issues of you know, growing up. Uh, and that ultimately is what it's all about, right? So the, the main story is about the difficulty of growing up, teenagers having to choose their own path, become adults, and parents learning to let them go. And that's seen in both Gwen and um, Miles' stories. I loved it. I, I think you probably can tell that. I thought the whole thing was wondrous to behold. I really can't wait to see it again. I did watch it with my kids, and they loved it as well. So you can't say <laughs> Jeff, because my kids liked it. Not, yep. There you go. That was easy. Yeah, well, I think Darren's going to side with me. No, not at all. I, I think that this is the most comic book movie there's ever been. Uh, because mo- most Marvel, DC, whatever you want, but the, the, the adaptations, they've not got the essence of a, of a comic thing. It's not saying that that's a bad thing. Films, film, comics is comic. These two films have managed to take an actual comic and put it on the screen. It's, I just think that they're absolutely beautiful films. To, I, I, every single scene in this film, I was just in awe of, you know, the sort of the film, the bits where there was watercolours in, in um, you know, uh, Spider-Gwen's world and stuff like that. I just think that the amazing, the amount of creativity and actual care as well that's gone into these movies you, you know they've sort of they've basically taken those concepts of a multiverse and just absolutely gone for it but still managed to make these this a story about people and and their issues and and basically you know pr- problems I, I i just think these films are absolutely marvelous but they've sort of they've, they've done something that i never thought that marvel movie could do or any superhero movie could do is actually just sort of like you know basically have such a wonderful comic booky, you know, movie on on the screen. I, I just, I just, I just think they're they're absolutely in, incredible. And for someone like like me who's who's grown up with Spider Man comics and, and and Marvel, there are so many Easter eggs, you know, to 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 look out for. You know, just just little sort of like you know references, just things about. You know, the, the Ben Riley character of why he was so sort of like you know mean, and this is a gift to comic book fans. You know, it's just sort of, it's, it's giving them everything that they ever wanted in a movie. And they're just so much fun. And, and I, I, I thought it was excellent. I absolutely loved it. Okay, Graham, time for you to spurt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, so I, I, I agree with Phil. I just could not get over it. It's just, it's a feast for the eyes. It's just, uh, just so much good fun and, and, and just the the visuals were just so good, and I liked the difference between the manic action scenes, and then there were lots of little moments of people just touching hands or moving closer to one another, subtle little just micro movements uh, to show, showing how how they worked together, how, how they cared for one another, and all of that sort of thing. So you went from that to sort of you know 500 spider-man running towards you it was just uh, wonderful absolutely wonderful stuff and and they've taken every single thing that they ever wanted to see in a comic book and thrown it into one film you know and in including 
comic book characters popping out of the page with that sort of cut out 3D effect. That's just, it was just wonderful. And I, I, I'm going to have to watch it two or three more times to get all of the references because. Oh, <laughs> can't you whip yourself <laughs> instead? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I thought it was just, yeah, uh, easily one of the best films of the year. Easily. Go on, Neil. Kick a man when he's down. It's. I'm. Yeah. I'm, I agree with everybody else apart from you, Jeff. Um, it's stunningly beautiful. That could be any review, art. Neil. Works across works of art across the whole film. I needed to. I need to watch again, like the first film I watched again, just for the artwork. Um, I, we had about three seconds of the Lego universe, and I laughed out loud. <laughs> it was absolutely priceless. Gordon <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Miller, well played. Um, the storyline's excellent. The tragedy of Spider-Man across all the multiverses is is exactly the same. They all have to go through there. Each Spider-Man or person or spider being needs to have their own personal tragedy. Um, it's and it's flipping in and out of universes. I didn't actually feel lost. Which, considering the number of times yeah. they flip in and out of various ones, uh, um, Doctor Strange was it the yes. last Doctor Strange one? I kind of yeah. got lost where they were at one point, at, at several points. So, but they seem to be able to do it. I, I thought it was genius, absolutely brilliant. Dick, I'm sure you're going to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've covered it. I, I, I think art-wise, it is phenomenal. Um, but I just think, I think a because the first one just blew me away, and so even though the animation was even more impressive, I wasn't quite as impressed with the story as I was in the first one. I think yeah. I am getting a bit fed up with multiverses as well from all fronts, not just from here, from from various TV shows and films and everything. Um, and I did think they overcooked the number of Spider Men. I think you know introducing, you know, two or three would have been great would have added to it add a bit of depth to it you know i like the the one set in india and um and the spider punk brilliant but did you really need all those other interactions all those other spideys it didn't seem to add anything to me the point deck though is that they're all the same yeah yeah i know i know i don't think you needed as many and i apart from the one at the top the one at the top is obviously different Hmm. And 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 much like Fast X, I was disappointed that it just left the story open and didn't go on about family too much. much. Yeah. yeah, at least it didn't have that pig in it I think... this time, as something. Uh... I missed him. Spider Ham. Yeah, yeah, what happened to the? Why was he not in it? Yeah, because I loved Spider. I did like Spider Ham. I yeah. like. Yeah. You can play as you can play Spider Ham <laughs> in Marvel Champions. Yeah. It's amazing. I liked him when he was in The Simpsons. Um... <laughs> Last word, Phil. Uh, I do think that it will be in my top films of the year, um, mm. along with uh, Asteroid City, which I mentioned briefly. I've not mentioned that because I watched it recently and I absolutely loved it. But yeah, it's fantastic. I really hope that uh, you get around to watching it uh, and freeze yes. frame when it's at home Can't just to watch different bits of it. Roll on the roll on the third film, and I really hope that it just matches. Even if it matches the the quality of the first one, it will be a fantastic trilogy. Spider Man Across the Spider Verse is proving to be a big hit with fans and critics alike. Well, except Jeff. Let's leave blockbusters for our next review and look at the Netflix film The Swimmers. One day, I want to swim in the Olympics. 
escalated out of control. We need to go. He says he can get us on a boat to Greece. There's no more room in the boat. We're too heavy. The boat will sink. We need to swim. The Olympics feel so far away right now. I believe you can do it. We need to get to Germany. You're not allowed to give up. We have a home. Swimming is home. The Swimmers is the true story of the Mardini sisters who fled the country of their birth, Syria, because of civil war back in 2015. Their aim was to get to Germany, but to do that they had to endure a perilous crossing of the Aegean Sea, travelling through countries which have resentment against refugees and criminal gangs that exploited them. But that's not all these women had to face. Yusra Mardini, played by Natalie Issa, was a championship swimmer who had a dream of going to the Rio Olympics. Could she still turn that dream into a reality? Deck, this has everything. A powerful true story as its basis, a sports film and a Welsh filmmaker. Oh, God, you put that. Will you stop putting stuff into my script? A Welsh filmmaker as its director with all those elements. How could it miss? I don't think it misses. For me, it was a hit. Um, I think every member of the Tory party should be made to watch this, especially especially Suella. Uh, this film had everything I enjoy in a film. Uh, I thought the cinematography was superb. I thought the casting was spot on. Um, and I thought it was very thought-provoking with ele- elements that made you both smile and cry at the same time. So, um, yeah, much like mentioned earlier, I thought the casting of the two sisters, Yusri and Sarah, played by actual sisters, Natalie and Manuel Issa, uh, respectively, was perfect. Um, it gave them that nat- natural chemistry uh, and that ability that only siblings have to just give each other a look, uh, which says it all. So um, a lot of realism to the film. Um, a lot of this film reflects on two different sides or angles um, that the same event can be looked at from. Um, for example, there's a beautiful moment uh, when the sisters go clubbing um, and they're celebrating in Syria everything's going you know and you see the night sky and they're overlooking night sky and there's fireworks because it's you know celebration event but also mixed in with the fireworks there's bombs dropping from the sky and explosions um i just thought it was really well done and that that dual thing echoes throughout the film at various moments it echoes in the the water in that during the the bit in the sea it's all very dark and the water's dark and treacherous and yet in the swimming pool it's very light blue you know when she's happy when she's swimming it's brighter and, and that there's a lot of that in the film. And if you watch it again, you see that obviously that's one of the techniques the director or the cinematographer uses um, and it works really effectively. Um, I think the important thing about this film is it shows a side to refugee stories that you don't see in the British media or the press. Um, starting with the fact that they don't want to leave their home country. You know, there's this misconception that they're coming over here to, you know, take all our benefits or whatever and our jobs but actually they don't want to and it comes across the start of the movie just they really really it's the last they, they, they just don't want to the father almost has to insist that they do um and the risks they take the risks that throughout not just the sea crossing but even after that the risks they take with their lives 
just to try and find somewhere safe to live and a, and a new country. But but so, uh, sorry to, to interrupt there, Deck. But that sea crossing is just a startling mm, piece of cinema. Great, great director. I mean, work. it's you know, you know, if anybody can watch that and think, you know, we and uh, as I heard on the radio the other day, you know, about we only want to rescue British people and let the others drown. You know, you watch things like that and you realise what these people are going through. And it's yeah. just horrific and unforgettable, I thought, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it highlights the whole journey. I mean, the journey the refugees take and, and, and little split decisions that they have to make on that journey. Decisions that, you know, do I do I carry on walking even though my feet are killing me and, you know, the skin's falling off my feet or do I catch a lift in the truck? And actually, depending which decision you make, could be the difference between life and death. And it's just that that fine line and that choices we make in life. It's just it's really, really vivid in this film. Um, I also it sounds really stupid of me, but I hadn't ever thought that different nationalities would be in the same boat. I don't know why. I just assumed that the people coming across in a boat would be from the same originating country. I'd never thought it would be such a mix you know, and this really brings this across that it's it was Syrians, it was people from African nations, uh, you know, different skin tone and colour, different languages. Um, and that really brought it home to me. And also it brought it home the fact that a lot of time, because they were, that, that language was so different, they couldn't talk to each other other than using English because it was the one language that they probably knew a few words of. So it was the, the, and I don't think that was just for the film. I'm pretty sure that that's probably what happens is that they've got their native language, but they can't understand it's just so different to some of the other languages, but English, they, they both know a few words. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, and much like the two-sided thing with the cinematography, um, it also demonstrates the two sides of the human race in this film um, from the acts of kindness, um, you know, offering a safe space for some, for a refugee to stay or a meal um, to the opposite where humans could just, you know, take advantage of people who yeah. are that desperate. It's also an uplifting film. There's some really uplifting moments which I enjoyed. Um, especially one of the moments I, one of the montages I really enjoyed was the the nod to Rocky with her um, with her training in the uh, in the camp was 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 brilliant. I thought it was very well done. As with all these types of films, you find yourself invested in the character's survival, and you often find yourself, well, I do anyway, shouting at the screen, you know, putting your head in your hands, going, oh, no, you know, praying that they'll be okay. And I also, one of the things I love about these films, because it's based in truth, I love doing that thing that I'm sure we all do, where as soon as the film finishes, you open your phone, you look at it, and you say, was that really, did that really happen, or have they exaggerated that? um, Sorry, Dick, I just add there, there's a site called History versus Hollywood, and it just lists everything down for you. It's a brilliant site. Oh, okay, I'll have to use that. I just normally just Google it and it comes up somewhere. But um, yeah, but and I'm not going to give away any spoilers. But some of the uh, after credit stuff, when you find out some of the things that happened downstream, were were shoot, truly shocking as well. So um, yeah, it's worth watching even after the credits to to catch that. So when we were picking our films to pick, uh, and you were all picking films that were being released in the cinema, I I deliberately wanted to choose a film that was available on streaming. Um, for free if you if you happen to be a member but because at the moment you know it's a cost of living crisis a lot of people can't afford to you know maybe don't want to go and spend a lot of money in the cinema I thought so I thought I'd give the at the flicks listeners an option that they could watch without having to go to the cinema and which is why I picked this and I'm so glad I did Uh, it motivated me to watch it it's always it's like Jeff always says it's on my watch list it's been on my watch list for a while but it motivated me to watch it and I'm so glad I did Um, and I'm just going to say I don't think this will be 
voted for People's Film of the Month, um, and I understand why, but I hope it's one that you all you're all glad you watched and that you'll go and recommend it to other people, other friends and family, because I think it's one of those films that everyone should watch. Uh, you make a good point. It's No, it's not my um, film selection for this month. But the reason for that is it plays with different genres. You've got the escape genre, you've got the sports genre, and that adds to its length. And it's slight, it just felt to me something should have been cut down, something shouldn't have been there. And I couldn't tell you what, because each part of it was exciting. But as a whole... I just felt it was a bit overlong. Did you see it, Neil? I did, yes. I saw it last year when it came out in Netflix. Um, and um, I have a terrible memory of some films. I can see a film walk away and uh, an hour or two later, I couldn't tell you what actually happened because it was just sort of nothing. I can still remember vast parts of this one. Um, the cinematography by Christopher Ross, as um, Deck has already said, is absolutely yeah. phenomenal as uh, a to echo Graham, thank you for that, that phrase. Phenomenal, other word, phenomenal. Um, heart-rending story, extremely uplifting. Um, the life of the migrants, even in Germany, where they are treated with respect, was hardly living. Mm. It was more surviving. Um, you just have to imagine what the life is like in the UK, um, which just terrible. Terrible. It's a, it's a, it's a film. Everybody. Sorry, go on. Sorry. I thought the coach was uh, the guy that played the coach was really good. Yeah, he's been in a lot that, of things. He sees a lot of um, in a lot of um, Netflix type films at the moment, um, and uh, yeah, he's 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 got something about him, hasn't? He? I thought he was brilliant. Uh, and the girls, absolutely. He's a safe breaker, wasn't he? He was, was the yeah. safe breaker. Was he the guy with Tsunami of the Dead? Yes. Yes, he is. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah. a safe the, cracker, safe and guy. yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I thought, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, but it's a film that everybody should watch, especially people who read the Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah. Darren, what did you think of it? I thought the um, the first half of it was, well, the first three quarters, if you will, was a lot stronger than the, uh, when the ending. Uh, which, to be honest, the, the important, I mean, the, the stuff that I thought was really good was the whole refugee journey. You know, and them in their, their own country. You know, right? I think when they actually got to Germany and it turned into the uplifting sports movie, that's when it's kind of dragged into another place. And I know you had to have that because you had to basically show their triumph at the uh, Olympics. But I thought it it, it was. I think I didn't think it worked. I didn't think it was shot and it didn't have a drama of of a sports of an inspiring sports movie. I don't think there was a lot of imagination um, shown. Like I say, it had to take a different path. It just seemed to be a completely different movie, the sports element. And I don't think that I don't think there was much imagination to tie that in, apart from the sort of the flashbacks when she's swimming and she thinks back to, you know, the uh, the, the, pro, the you know the situation she had on the raft and everything. Apart from that, there wasn't. I just felt there was something lacking from from that from that part of the movie, and and it, I, I didn't think it was shot. I don't think it was a, a particularly exciting. But the important stuff was the refugee journey, and, and that was absolutely you know com, com, compelling stuff, as especially as well the stuff in setting back in their their home country, like the scene where you've all talked about the raft scene. The scene for me that really shocked it was when they're having the swimming meet and the oh, bomb comes through yeah. the roof and oh, into the yes. thing. Oh, yeah. That, to me, yeah. just sort of, you know, that, that scene, you know. But um, so, 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 yeah, I, I just thought the, um, 
for, for, for when it turned into a sport for me, it just became a bit by the numbers. Uh, in, in that, there was just something lacking. So uh, the, the, the genre, the genre swap didn't work, is what you're saying? It certainly yeah, worked yeah. for me. Certainly worked for me because by by the time it got to that genre uh, swap, I was so angry and so wound up by the lack of humanity. I needed something to, to just to give me a breather. You know, so I actually enjoyed that sort of, oh, my God, right, they're out, they're free, you know, and and they're at the Olympics. And, and the bits in Rio were really, really quite stunning. And I there was a, a Zoom shot uh, in, in the Rio swimming pool, which I thought was just one of the finest pieces of cinematography I've seen in a long time, where they zoom straight up to the, uh, to the uh, where the girls are jumping in. It was just so well done, and and yes, I I know because I said to Jeff, yeah, it's a bit like Rocky, in parts. But I did find that I needed to come down off that high of being so angry and so cross at the way people are treated and the total lack of humanity that I needed something joyous just to restore my faith in humanity and that that everybody is not complete and utter bastard. I think the, the thing is what, what I'm saying that the race wasn't. I I don't I didn't find it particularly exciting. It was hard to tell who was yes who was in the lead, who was such thing. Those you don't yeah. know this idea of who the competitors were. It was just seemed to be her swimming and her thinking, and oh she she's won. It didn't have that sort of like that sort of mm. like that competition type yeah. you know thing yeah. that I, you, you would expect from a, a, a film like that. And I just think I think that's where it kind of just it was kind of. I, I I just didn't find that as sort of compelling. I actually say, have to say as well, the story of what happened to them after the the, the film ended, that could have been been a. a be, I mean, I know you had to sort of stop the film at some point, but that could have been like a, you know a segment of the film. I felt that the sw- the swimming bit was a, a sort of just one example of just how much uh, refugees bring to the new country. It it was a nice story. Um, but I think it was just one. Just, just it has to be taken as just one of the many, many, many things that migrants will bring to the country that they end up in. That that's a really good point because it understates the policy that Angela Merkel got heavily criticised for by allowing a million refugees into Germany because she calculated because of the older population they needed mm. young yeah. young people in, yeah. and she took and she took that chance. Yes, yeah. and that. That definitely has paid and off now. 10, yeah, and 10, 15, 20 years' time, it'll be, yeah, they'll be hailed as a as a genius. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, whereas us? Well, there's 190,000 waiting, uh, waiting um, um, processing. Yeah, but at, but at least Jenrick paints out the cartoons. God, that was awful, wasn't it? So, Phil, you haven't seen it yet. Would you now watch it? Yeah, it sounds like something I'd really enjoy is probably not the right word, but it sounds like something I'd really appreciate yeah. um, and I will get around to it. I did add it to my Netflix watch list. I just got very busy, so apologies for that. Okay. Deck, just a, a final word? I think everyone should watch it. Um, and I think, Phil, if you are going to watch it, maybe make it a date night and watch it with your missus because my wife thoroughly enjoyed it as well. And I think it is one of those films you can watch with someone else. It's not a you know, it, it, 
is that sort of film. And I think it is worth everyone seeing it. The Swimmers is now on Netflix and well worth watching. Now it's time for the team to decide what's their film of the month. Will the Swimmers be rated higher than Fast X? Let's find out. Deck. Right. The good thing about this review show is I did love all the films that were watched. So this is very difficult for me because it's picking the best of actually was a, I can't find a weak one. And I enjoyed all these films um, for different reasons, but I enjoyed them all. But I have to think as a complete, complete enjoyment, as in completely lost myself in the moment and came out thoroughly loving cinema for everything that I love cinema for is I have to go with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume <laughs> I, I, to. I just I came out of that film so happy. I can't take away that feeling. Even though like there were other things like I love Spidey and I love Fast X amazingly. I love Fast X a lot more than I thought I would. And I would watch both those films again. I just think maybe it's because it was the last one. I just think it just slightly ahead. But they were all good films. I'd recommend anyone listening to this to watch all those films. Phil? <clears throat> I think it's been a really good quality review show as well actually i've not sometimes we do a show and it's it's so obvious which is Mm. the best film out from to jeff this one i think (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think that i think you can all tell straight away from my (laughs) glowing rave review for the same thing deck said i came out of spider-verse just thinking this will be one of my films Uh of the year it was just so fantastic in every way so yeah for me it's spider-man Funny, I come out of that one, Phil, and thought, oof, where's the toilet? I need it now. Thanks for that, Jeff. Oh, uh, mine is uh, air. Yes. Okay, Darren. Uh, It's a tough one between Spidey and and Guardians 3, uh, but I'm going to have to go for Spidey. Mm -hmm. Graham, Guardians, Uh, go and say it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. Is that a change of heart? It's, it's all it's there's yeah there's quite a few good ones. So I'm going to go with Spidey Air Swimmers. Yes, and I'm going to go with Spider Man as well. Definitely, yeah, so I think Spidey wins. Definitely. Yeah. So, gentlemen, I can safely announce that's a wrap, and another at the flicks is in the can. I've been thinking, Graham, at the start of the show when they're censoring the classic movies, maybe we can apply it where people on the show disagree with my views. <laughs> Two things, Jeff. Firstly, if we did that, there would only be you speaking on the show. Hang on a minute. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And secondly, only you are censored, no one else. Some of your comments would be banned from movies in the 1960s bit harsh (laughs) and to everyone else (laughs) thanks for listening and goodbye